My name is Dr. Christina Wang, and I'm a retina specialist at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. We're listening in as Dr. Roger Goldberg sits down with a panel of ODs and MDs to discuss practice dynamics around geographic atrophy. There are a handful of GA candidates in the pipeline, some further along than others, and most of them work via complement modulation. Some eye care providers learned about this a long time ago, others never learned much about it at all. But if we want to understand the mechanisms of action for the various drugs under investigation for the treatment of GA, then we need to understand the structure and function of the complement system. Keep in mind that this discussion occurred before Pegsetacoplin was approved by the FDA for GA. You'll hear Dr. Goldberg and Dr. David Lally in this next section. Okay, let's get into the discussion. Uh, David, do you want to talk a little bit about complement and, and the role of complement, um, both in, in kind of normal healthy function and and perhaps the role of complement in in uh, macular degeneration and geographic atrophy? We know that uh, complement is part of the innate immunity uh, system and that it does play an important physiologic role for homeostasis in the healthy retina. Uh, but we have seen uh, pretty good histological evidence that complement plays an uh, important role in uh, age-related macular degeneration and geographic atrophy. And so uh, a lot of the hist prior histolog uh, histopathological studies uh, demonstrated different uh, components of the complement system within Drusen and within uh, photoreceptors, uh, and uh, in subretinal drusenoid deposits. So we know that complements showing up uh, in these eyes uh, uh, that have macular degeneration, and so that obviously raises the important question of whether uh, intervening in, these, in this pathway of, of blocking complement uh, could have an impact uh, in the role of the disease. So uh, the community was pretty excited when the first complement inhibitor trial, uh, lampolizumab, uh, was being developed, and it looked promising in phase two, but unfortunately, it did not uh, pass, it did not meet its primary endpoint in phase three, and so the development stopped. And that, that did, I think, take a hit uh, to the uh, ophthalmology community about their feelings of uh, uh the role of blocking complement in this disease. However, there have been two uh, uh, other uh, uh, sponsors that have had some that have had very encouraging phase two results blocking different parts of the complement pathway. And what's very encouraging is that both of those um, both of those phase two results showed similar rates of reduction in the progression of the GA at one year. So uh, it was encouraging to see that the two separate uh, uh, draw, uh, therapeutics blocking different parts of the pathway uh, were, were seeming to have a, a similar role in, 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 in uh, reducing the progression of, of that disease. Lampolizumab, uh, as you mentioned, was a complement factor D inhibitor, and that kind of works uh, along one arm of the complement pathway. There are three arms, the uh, lectin, the classic, and the alternative pathway, and complement factor D really uh, plays a role along the alternative pathway, 
and indeed a very large phase three program, as David mentioned, did not show a benefit to blocking complement factor D in, in patients with uh, geographic atrophy. Uh, but uh, Pegseta Copeland, which is a um, C3 inhibitor, Avacinacapad-Pegol, is a C5 inhibitor. C3 is really the key uh, convergence point uh, of all three pathways, and all three pathways then converge onto C3, which which, which gets activated and uh, starts a cascade, which activates C5. That's what uh, avacinacapad inhibits. And, and then that leads to the formation of membrane attack complex, which is kind of the end stage of the complement pathway. So C3 and C5 um, may, you know, may and hopefully will prove to be better targets uh, because they are, are really at the center point of the complement pathway, whether it's the alternative, the classic, uh, or the lectin uh, pathways. So uh, perhaps C3 and C5 will show a good result where complement factor D didn't. Um, there are other companies out there doing gene therapy to try to inhibit MAC, uh, companies doing complement factor I, and uh, complement factor H, other kind of important regulatory uh, components of the complement system. So there's certainly a lot of uh, effort here, and that's largely driven by, as David mentioned, the histopathology where we see complement in the drusen and uh, uh, in the outer retina. Just also add that, that these new therapeutics are pegylated, and that and so their structure is different than uh, the mono than the uh, monoclonal antibody of lempolizumab, and the pegylation may offer some advantages uh, to the therapeutic effect compared to the prior drug development. And why is that? There's some talk that the pegylation may increase retention and prevent metabolism. Uh, okay, so it's uh, the durability of the drug. of the drug of the molecule. You know, it's something about uh, preventing, like, slowing down metabolism of the therapeutic. Well, that's what pegylation does. Usually you pegylate it, um, you know, you basically attach a large side chain, and it prevents, um, you know, or slows metabolism of the drug, breakdown of the drug, so it helps the drug last longer. Time for a small break. When we return, we'll get back to the roundtable we started the episode with, and we'll learn more about non-complement approaches to GA therapy. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Christina Wang. Let's return to the roundtable hosted by Evolve Medical Education that discussed some historical and pipeline treatments for GA. You'll hear Drs. Roger Goldberg, Carlos Medina, and Mary Beth Yaki in this next section. Let's listen in. So I was going to kick it over to Carlos to talk a little bit about, um, you know, other, other studies have looked at neuroprotection and uh, visual cycle modulation, um, photobiomodulation, and um, certainly none of those have been shown uh, to have uh, a meaningful effect in this, and, and perhaps you can uh, discuss those. Sure. Um, well, uh, I think we all agree that the retina is very highly metabolic tissue, and that um, 
this metabolic byproduct and this high metabolism uh, all lead to biochemical and, and environmental stressors on the retina that can lead to either inflammation or toxic byproduct that can cause geographic atrophy. So one of the main uh, or one of the focuses of uh, treatment has been to reduce um, the pathology associated with these um, stressors and to decrease the possible accumulation of toxic byproducts. So obviously when you decrease the function of the retina, you decrease sometimes uh, vision such as delayed um, dark adaptation um, or, or vision um, period. Uh, so um, there's, you know, molecules that have been looked at, but none have been successful thus far. I don't know if I can add more than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a drug called fenretinide, which is a visual cycle modulator. It didn't, it didn't show any effect on the uh, pro progression of geographic atrophy. And another molecule called amixiostat, which is an RPE65 inhibitor, uh, which also um, uh, did not – that was thought to say, hey, if we just slow down the visual cycle – and yeah. we, we can kind of prevent the accumulation of toxic byproducts like apolipoprotein E, APOE, uh, which is also found in the Drusen um, uh, and in that space um, you know, between the retina and the choroid. So people thought that that might help. Unfortunately, it didn't help, and many of those patients were left symptomatic from the therapy, you know, with things like delayed dark adaptation, um, uh, which was troubling in its own right, and then it, and then it proved not to have a clinical uh, clinical effect. I think Beth, uh, Mary Beth, you had discussed, and I know Cincinnati Eye Institute has been involved in stem cells for the treatment of GA. Obviously, this offers the promise of potentially reversing rather than just slowing progression of disease. Can you talk about um, kind of the potential role for stem cells as a treatment uh, for GA? Absolutely. So as all of us as eye doctors, you know, it's been my dream since about fourth grade to have an eye that would allow somebody who hasn't been able to see to see. Um, and the reality is that's crazy thought, but um, it's been a dream. And I think it was about 10 years ago, I remember I worked with Dr. Christopher Riemann, who was a, a, a big advocate of the stem cells. We are able to use those cells, um, take those, and um, place them into the retina, and in our two patients that we were fortunate enough um, to do it now, granted this isn't a type of COVID, and we're asking these people to be in, immunosuppressed, finding patients that qualified were a little bit more challenging than had it been pre-COVID, um, but we did, um, we were able to have two patients, and of those two patients, um, one of our patients was quite successful, and I was very lucky because I got to do her cataract um, evaluation um, because she did, she has not had cataract surgery yet. Um, and I went box three trial uh, a person, but it, it really, it's such a cool thing. She is actually seeing um, 2060 now, and she was not able to write a check prior. She owns a business. She took her information and, and excitement to our news on Channel 12 around here and um, really led the, the excitement for this data. Now, the other gentleman, he was not harmed so far by the treatment, but has had no benefit in vision either. Um, not the success that, the, that our female uh, patient had. But a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz, you know, taking somebody who can't see and bringing them into vision is super exciting. And, and for her, who, she owns a donut business and now can write checks. That's her biggest 
you know, when we were talking earlier about, like, what are these patients' goals and expectations for their life? What can they do? So that it's been a very exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, that is that is exciting. And I think we're all uh, obviously it's very early stage. It's just the embryos from IVF, those stem cells. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that they are then derived into RPE cells. So they're stem cell derived RPE cells. You are You're not just correct. putting yeah. in native stem cells. Just a quick reminder, what Dr. Yaki is talking about is a phase one study. So our last bit is going to cover something a little bit more obscure, but very important. Part of our role as a clinician is to guide patients towards safe treatments, even if we're not the ones providing the treatment. And that means, frustratingly, that part of our job is to warn patients about predatory practices. You'll hear doctors Medina, Goldberg, Diana Sheckman, and Yaki. I just saw a patient today that, you know, came in and said this, but maybe adding or not adding, but um, just in some way reiterating that these uh, geographic atrophy stem cell trials are non-patient-funded trials and that these are, you know, um, legitimate kind of trials, not those stem cells clinics that we see all the time. Patients come in and, you know, unfortunately have devastating complications from. I'm really glad you added that, and I think we should definitely include this, that legitimate clinical trials are not patient-funded, and they are registered on clinicaltrials.gov, and they're usually quite stringent to get into. And um, as Carla, as you mentioned, many patients, actually, Diana, it's, it was kind of uh, down in South Florida was like the epicenter. Carlos, oh, yeah. you may have been in South Florida at that yeah. time. I, I don't remember yeah. exactly, but I don't know if either yeah. of you saw any of these patients who went to these unregulated uh, stem cell clinics. We didn't see them in our clinics, but we were very much aware of it. Yeah, they still do them. They they don't do intravitreal stem cell delivery, but they still do intravenous and, and promise them results. And even in your backyard, uh, today I saw a patient who came in who was getting them. Wow. And where were they being injected? Or IV, intravenous. For geographic atrophy. For diabetic retinopathy. So even wow. crazy. All right, listeners, that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us as we listened in on these conversations. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or leave a review on Spotify if that's where you're listening. And no matter your podcast platform of choice, be sure to tap subscribe to get our latest episodes. Until next time, I'm Dr. Christina Wang.